You're listening to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions, and I'm your host, Michelle Dawes-Burke. Fasten your seatbelts as it's sure to be an informative discussion and conversation. Keep in mind that we are not perfect, but we're empowered. Enjoy. First of all, I want to thank all of the new listeners. Thank you so much for taking time checking us out. Let me give you a little bit about what Real Chicks Rock is all about. We're all about creatively collaborating and connecting with women to raise awareness. We do this, and we do this by public speaking, mentoring, community service, and the arts. And we've been doing this podcasting arts talk show thing since April 2016. So we've been doing it for a little bit, and we're we're just so glad to continue to bring Good people, good conversations, good dialogue, and all that stuff. So today's topic is a conversation with Debbie Graham. Hi, Debbie. Hey, Michelle. <laughs> good to see you. Good to see you, too. Yeah, I feel like I know you. Um, a little background, because when I first started the brand 11 years ago, and I did an event, my very first event, Debbie Graham was one of the DJs. Party with a purpose. Party with a purpose. The club is no longer, what is it, Club Lava? It was called Lava Lava Lounge Mm -hmm. in Atlanta. And Debbie was, I asked her, it's like, I'm doing this event and, you know, it's party with a purpose and people will bring clothes and we'll give it to the homeless people. And will you be a DJ? And she was like, sure. You said sure. You like hey, it's it. all about giving back. It's right? all about giving back, and so we have been kind of like connected, right, for all this time. Most definitely, yes. You've been. A, you're a great DJ, and we'll, we're going to talk all about all about that. I, I don't want to. I don't want to shortchange you your time. Tell the people, Debbie, where are you from? Where are you from? I'm an island girl, man. You're a yachty. You're a yachty. I'm a yachty. Come from Jamaica. Um, but uh, I guess I kind of adopted Atlanta. I've been here since 1983. Wow, long time. Long time. Let, okay. Born in Jamaica, what part of Jamaica? So I'm a city girl. I'm from Kingston. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> yes, yes. Life. Really, St. Andrew. Sorry, yeah, yeah, St. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but talk to us just a little bit about life for you in Jamaica as a young girl. How was it for you? Um, and we could talk about it musically. The music, was it just Marley? Was it, what What? What did you listen to as a kid? So as a kid, I listened to soca, reggae, mm-hmm. um, did listen to a lot of rock and roll mm-hmm. back then because uh, I came from a very musical family mm-hmm. and there was always music playing, playing mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, plus my parents traveled a lot, so yeah. they used to bring music from overseas mm-hmm. And um, I just remember it being a very fun childhood and, you know, um, no restrictions from my dad into using his equipment. So, you know, I was always playing stuff, whether they were home or not, you know, just getting in tune with the music. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it wasn't just a reggae thing. It was everything. It was everything. Mm, R&B. R&B. Rock. Rock. Everything. You name it, classical also. All that. So yeah. you're having a good time. Most so, definitely. So how do we how do we get from Jamaica at least to the States? Was the States our first place or did we go somewhere else? So um the States was the first place we moved. Yes. But our family had talked about moving to Saskatchewan, Canada. Yeah, of course, because um, all West Indian. <laughs> 
moved to Canada. We don't know, I don't, we don't know why, but they go up there. They go from hot to cool. Right. Okay. Uh, um, my, my, my dad's, um, his, one of his younger sisters actually had been living in Saskatchewan on a farm for years. And so his first thought was, yes, let's go to Saskatchewan. And my mother said, no, no, no. No, good for mommy. Can't deal with the cold. Yeah. Um, so eventually, um, and my dad is, my dad has nine sisters. So five of them moved to Houston back in Ooh. 1979, okay. 1980. Mm-hmm. And that was the time where the big oil boom, Houston yes. was doing well. Okay. okay. And so they encouraged my dad to come there instead. Mm-hmm. So, he went first. Mm-hmm. A few months later, the rest of the family joined. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where I actually went to high school. Mm, in Houston. In Houston. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't a big fan of Texas. Mm, mm. Isn't everything bigger and better in Texas? It's, yeah, uh, Texas is its own country. But um, it, it was a little bit, you know, hard to adjust, number one, Um Going to a co-ed school because I went to an all-girls school. In Jamaica? In Jamaica, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so a um, little bit of, you know, culture shock for me. Mm-hmm. But then when it came time to go to college, um, I had an aunt and uncle that were living here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um and they'd been living here since like 1976. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Deb, you should really think about going to college here. And and then my next door neighbor from Jamaica, he was doing his MBA at Georgia State University. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you yeah. got to come to Atlanta. Yes. You know? Yes. And so I came here um, just one Christmas just to kind of hang out. Mm. And I fell in love with got Atlanta. You. Got you. Um, not only just the the green space. Yes. But I felt like people's mannerisms here mm-hmm. were very similar to... Jamaica, Jamaica. that southern, hey, how you doing, you know, kind of thing, and fell in love with it. You just need someone to say, hello, baby. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, baby. Hello, darling. So you remember the name of your all-girls school in Jamaica? Yes, I went to the Queen's School. You went to the Queen. My sister went to Fitzhenley Secretarial School in Jamaica, where she wore the yellow dress and the scarf to the... To the tied to the left, left. <laughs> looking like, and, and everybody looked the same. The people at Jamaica National Bank wore uniforms. Air Jamaica, Air Jamaica. <laughs> everybody looked the that same. That was the thing. That scarf, that scarf, you know. and pantyhose in the heat. She, yes. she did not like that. She yeah. didn't like that part. It was too hot to wear um, pantyhose, but she had to wear it. That was part of the uniform. Yeah. So you got family in Houston, but then you have an aunt and uncle in Jamaica. I mean, uh, in Atlanta. In Atlanta. And so what co- what college did you attend college here? Yes, yeah. so I went to uh, Georgia State. You did? Yeah, for undergrad. Nice. Yeah. Did you like it? I did. Even though it was a commuter school at the time, I mean, there were no dorms. Um, but I really built a really strong network at Georgia State, especially with the Caribbean students, which is how the serious DJing started. Right. Yeah, just come on and segue into that. <laughs> so a lot of music growing up in Jamaica, in Kingston, primarily, ideally. Right. Mm-hmm. Family. They're very cultured, nice people, good 
time growing up as a kid, you moved to Atlanta, you connect with other Caribbean folks. And so how did this happen? Was it somebody having a party and asked you to play? Like, how did you get into DJing? So I always um, felt like I wanted to DJ mm -hmm. because I had seen people do it. But again, uh, back then, you didn't really see females mm -hmm. DJing. Mm -hmm. So um, I was um, vice president of the Caribbean Students Union at, at Georgia State. Mm -hmm. So we decided to have parties because that's what Caribbean people do, right? So, um, so I met up, you know, with the group or whatever, and they're like, well, you know, we need a DJ for the party, blah, blah, blah. So, <laughs> so um, I had a friend that was dating a DJ. Um, he's from New York. Parents are from Jamaica. Yes. And he and I connected. He showed me some basics. Right. And that's how it started. Wow. So I was playing parties for um, the Caribbean Students Union. Uh -huh. um, even... We would do at Georgia State, we had this 10 o'clock break every day. We'd set up in front of the library and get the restaurants to donate little cocktail patties and, you know, try to promote the party that way. We yeah. had music playing. Then we said, hey, if you like this, then come to the party. Come to the party tonight. Yeah. You know, and um, there were a couple of clubs in, in Decatur uh -huh. that, you know, were open to us bringing in the students. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's how it started. And then um, as time went by, I started hanging out with that particular DJ mm -hmm. and he would have me handle the DJ booth while he was taking a bathroom break. <laughs> so so um, I At guess clubs and parties. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Actually, um, it was a club on Memorial Drive called Vassage. Mm. And, um, yeah, I was, uh, playing reggae then. And then when I started playing, like other DJs started coming around me and they started showing me different techniques, yeah. et cetera. So. And you caught the bug. And I caught the bug. What, what about it caught you? Was it the fact that you could put on a record and see the reaction of people or what was it? It was a combination of things. I just feel like that's always been my happy place. Mm -hmm. Um, So no matter what I had going on in mm -hmm. life, mm -hmm. you know, you put the music on, you just feel better. Mm. And then, yes, the icing on the cake is seeing how people react when you play music. So, mm -hmm. And so you went from just a feeling, let me run to the bathroom, take a break, catch a drink at the bar or whatever. To like starting to DJ for parties on your own, right? Exactly. So um, when that whole reggae thing kind of died down with me, mm -hmm. um, you know, I started getting into house music and everybody's like, but house wasn't popular in Atlanta. <laughs> no. So my college roommate, mm -hmm. who's from California, yeah, she had this mixtape. That had, you know, Marshall Jefferson, you know, Farley, 
You name it. It was on that mixtape. I still have that cassette. No, you do not. You should have brought it today. Let me touch it. It's like this little pink and yellow Memorex tape. Come on. Because Memorex used to be, you know. Was the tape. The music. Yeah, Yeah. right. So um, before Maxell. Yes. Come on, Debbie. So (laughs) she used to play that tape every single day. And I was like, man. But I was calling it club music because right. that's what I knew it as. Okay. You know, because I used to spend my summers in New York, you know, listening to WBLS. And, you know, for me, that was like club yes, music. That, yeah. Didn't know it as house music. Come on. So, um, so I was like, I wonder where I can find some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I was working at a record store at the time. Um, Turtles records and tapes. Yeah, I remember. T- you remember Turtles? So, um, <laughs> so I started off. Well, I started off with Camelot music first, but it was too? at Atlantic Mall, yeah. and you know we were all into Charday yeah, and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. You know, so then um, I felt like I couldn't get anywhere with Camelot because for me it's all about climbing the ladder. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I went and applied for a job at Turtles mm-hmm. and they saw that I had experience at mm-hmm. Camelot and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we'll hire you. Yeah, yeah. Four or $5 and 25 cents an hour, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but to me... $4 and 25 cents? It was five twenty. It was five twenty five. Yeah. Wow. But for me, <laughs> you know, it was just the experience, you know, um, and being able to meet with a lot of the reps from yeah. the record companies, because mm-hmm. back then they used to come in with their promos and do, you know, yeah. put up the flyers, yes. et cetera, yes. et cetera. A and, real and, store. And if you linked up with them, meaning, you know, just treated them well, they're like, oh, we got an extra copy in the car. Here you go. You know, even though I had already started a huge record collection. Mm-hmm. So I started at the one, um, there was a Turtles right at uh, Highland and Ponce, right over there where that movie theater is. Yeah. Okay. So, but that <laughs> that Turtles was known as like the new age. Is, yeah. Okay. You know, we used to listen to Brian Ferry. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, so, but again, that opened my eyes to other music yes. that was out there. Yes. And I will not forget the day when RuPaul walked into that store. He had first album out. It was called, and I don't know if I could say it, uh, Sex Freak. Oh. Came in to see how the record was doing. Yeah. And we were selling it because just in that neighborhood, I mean, that was the stuff everybody was listening to. That is true. Yes, yes. So, um, so I worked there for a while and then, um, there was an opening at the store on Candler Road across from South DeKalb Mall mm-hmm. and they were looking for an assistant manager. Cause you're so moving up. I'm trying to move up. You're moving up. So I transferred to that store mm-hmm. and then that store was kind of known as the jazz store, mm-hmm. you know, uh, everybody wanted to come in and get their, you know, Kenny G, George Howard. You know, Najee, you know, mm. whatever. 
But there was a gentleman there that worked with me, this guy named Mike, who was from Chicago. Yeah, well, there it is. And that's when it's, that's it really it started. That, that There you go. Because, you know, albums would come in and sometimes we wouldn't get promos mm-hmm. because, you know, the record company was only trying to push like the major stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but we'd get like, shipments of everything mm-hmm. and then he'd pull something out and i remember the first album he pulled out was jm silk which was you Thank know body yeah it was mm-hmm. and it was the the group that mm. steve silk Curley was yeah. part of mm. and so he started he would he would play that record every single day and i was like man i love this <laughs> you know and then, you know, um, as time went on, you had, you know, like C.C. Peniston came out and all that. Again, I'm calling it dance music. Yeah. You know, he's calling it house, house music. music. So um, so at that time, and I'm still in school, but love to entertain, started doing parties at my house. And I would cook. Of course. You know, come on, man. I would cook and invite my friends over and DJ and DJ. (laughs) And so um, this is how I guess the club thing started. So I have a friend shout out to D Baker who Mm -hmm. now lives in New York. But D had a friend who was a promoter in Miami that was moving to Atlanta and was going to start throwing parties. So D said, Deb, you're good. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to introduce you to, her name was Lisa Cox. Mm-hmm. And so I said, sure, you know, I'll yeah. talk to her. Mm-hmm. You know, I still just having a good time. I'm not thinking about skill level yeah. or anything yeah. like that. So so I met with Lisa and Lisa said, um, yeah, I hear, you know, you play house music and that's pretty much, you know, what we do at my parties. Yeah, we'll play a little bit of hip hop just because now we're in Atlanta and it's kind of a different scene. And she had brought a DJ from Miami, but he was playing more like EDM style. Wow. Ah, And so, um, so, you know, I said, hey, if you allow me to play and people dance, you pay me. If not, you don't have to pay me. Okay? So I ended up working for her for like three and a half years. With pay. With pay. <laughs> Even better than you get paid now. But but that's another story. That's another story for another day. Yeah. So they come in town. Listen, I need this DJ. I hear you're good. Come on and play. And you're like, if I don't make the people dance. You don't have to pay me. And you've been and you work for that person for three and a half years. And of course, because you were good in that space, people wanted you. Right. You started to do, getting more work. Yeah. So. um, So, yeah. So I was doing I basically had a residency at Club Jaguars with this mm. this deal. Mm-hmm. Um, But on the side. Everybody was calling me to do birthday mm-hmm. parties mm-hmm. and it was people that had been coming to the club. Exactly. So I was probably doing five or six parties a month. Wow. You know, but at that time, 
you know, my equipment was crap. <laughs> I didn't even have professional speakers. I was like wiring up house speakers, you know, but it, it worked. It worked. It worked for what it was. Right, right. You know, and, you know, um, <clears throat> I felt like the more these people were calling me, <laughs> then I could definitely go out and actually and buy, buy some, some professional equipment, yeah, you right. know. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was using... um. Well, a friend of mine felt bad for me. Actually, the first DJ that had me yeah. handling the booth at the reggae bar. So he gave me a mixer, oh. you know, and um, and so I was using that. But like my turntables, they were techniques, but they were not 1200s. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you had to kind of didn't even have pitch control. You had to kind of use your hand and. You know, yes, move it around. Yes. So started so, from the bottom. Now we're here. Look now at we're that. Here. Wow, wow. I didn't I didn't know. Now in all the years that I've known you, I didn't know that the the equipment you first started out on was Oh yeah. Didn't oh know yeah. That. But I never regretted it because yeah. I felt like Using the crappy equipment mm -hmm. actually helped me be a better a DJ. Better DJ. And it helped me adapt to whatever equipment mm -hmm. was out there. Mm -hmm. You know, so. were, were there a lot of were there other female DJs in the space during the time you were starting to come up? Let's use the time with Lisa Cox and you DJing for for her for like three and a half years. Were there other female DJs that so you remember? There were probably two or three other female okay. DJs that okay. I that I knew of. Okay, but <clears throat> as far as I know they weren't getting booked like me. Mm -hmm. They, you know, um, because, you know, I guess there was no consistency mm -hmm. on their part mm -hmm. or they had some other things going mm -hmm. on. So, um, you know, one of the DJs, um, Lisa had actually invited mm -hmm. to play uh, with me mm -hmm. at Jaguars. But I think her style was not the style the crowd was, mm -hmm. was ready mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't think she ever got called back. Okay. You know. Okay. Yeah. And she used to work at Turtles, too. <laughs> wow. Turtles was producing DJs. Was producing DJs. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just been skill set for you. It's never really been about gender. It's just like, she can play. Yeah. She's a good DJ. Put her on. And that's like the way I look at other DJs too. Mm -hmm. I don't look at whether they're male or female. Mm -hmm. Just do you have the skill set? Like, mm -hmm. are your transitions tight, or mm -hmm. are you train wrecking every mm -hmm. time, or mm -hmm. you are know, you playing the same song? Are you playing the same songs every All DJ? The time. And every DJ's playing too. Mm -hmm. You've got to mm -hmm. know how to introduce new music. Mm -hmm. You know, because we're here to educate the mm -hmm. dance floor, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and and that's one of the things I see today that's lacking. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's playing the same 10 songs and it's like, guys, you know, mm -hmm. put some even if it's just one new track. Right. You know, because you never know. I said it. You I said never it on know. my board. Yeah, I say it. And, you know, I have an opportunity because I'm a househead. OK, for the new people. <laughs> I'm a I'm a house head. I like house music. And most of my events, um, 
would have house music as the underground or the current or the backdrop always. Mm-hmm. It just makes me feel, it makes me feel good. It makes it's people, happy music. It's happy music. Yeah. It makes the people that come in there, they feel good. It's re- it's calming. People are not riled. They, oh, 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 that's my song. They might want to move a little bit. It's really good. But I, I feel that, um, a lot of times, you know, when I do go outside of house, I'll go to an R and B. So I can predict what they're going to play. And that's what I don't like. And mm-hmm. then when you talk to those DJs, they'll say, well, that, you know, that song just fits, you know, after you play this, you should play that. It just fits. And so it seems like everybody plays in, in, R- in some of the R and B spaces from the same script. And I feel like I don't even need to go because I know what you're going to play. You're not going to woo me. You're not going to do anything different. Oh, at this part of the program, people will start line dancing because you're going to play a certain song. I feel with house music, you have an opportunity to play what you want. Definitely. And whenever you want. Definitely. And then the fact that we're going to talk about it, the fact that there are DJs that are becoming producers knowing, listen, this is the kind of vibe that I've sensed or I've gotten people to move on the floor and then you produce those kind of tracks, then there's remakes of classics that are happening. Right. So it's like there's a lot of good music that could be played. Every time I go and I hear you play, I don't care how full the room is. I don't care. Doesn't matter. I have a good time with your set because I don't know what you're going to play. I have no idea what you're going to play. I can't. You are not predictable. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie Graham. Thank you. You are not predictable because we don't know what you're going to play. I know it It could be a mood for you. It could be who's in the room. It could be the type of event. Correct. Um, And I think, you know, to your credit, you are very professional. Let's talk about that because you pay attention to the audience, to the crowd, you know what to play, you know, you, you're, you're watching, you're feeling the crowd, you know when to transition, you don't cut it off too soon. Sometimes we're singing and the DJ will cut it off. And I'm like, but I had another verse. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, you, you don't know what you're going to get. And I feel with you, you're very professional. Did you learn this because of Club Jaguar days or? How did you get so like comfortable and just knowing, I don't want to say what's right from wrong, but how to read crowds and things like that? So I guess I've always considered myself a student, mm-hmm. even till this day, mm-hmm. 41 years later. <laughs> Learning. Um, so I really pay attention mm-hmm. to a lot of DJs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I can shout out Ron Pullman. Mm-hmm. Was one of the DJs that I would study. Yes. He's very good. Ron Pullman is excellent. And he is very, he's a very technical. He's very good. DJ. Mm -hmm. And I watch how Ron, you know, watches the crowd and then he just knows what his next move is going to be. He makes a move. He makes a move. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, I always, I study. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I I feel like you have to put the work in. There there are a lot of DJs out there, um, especially now because technology has allowed, you know, new DJs to come in mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. and learn how to play quickly, mm-hmm. but they don't know like the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Like I watch DJs who never look up from their equipment. They never make eye contact with the crowd. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Huge. You know. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, my style can change. So I do the research, mm-hmm. you know, if I get booked to play in Detroit, mm-hmm. you know, I'll find out whatever I can mm-hmm. about what people listen to in Detroit. Right. And I adapt. Right. You know. Right. Um, now, do you adapt enough that you feel like you're. I don't want to pardon this selling your soul or like losing who you are. Like, can we still. We could still there's get a always, sense of who you are, yes, right? Yes, there is oh, always I want to be clear on that. A little Debbie Graham. Yeah. A little that. DG in there? A little DG in there. But, you know, um, I think part of it, too, is the fact that growing up, yes, I listened to everything. Everything. So I feel like my style of playing mm-hmm. is just bringing some of that, mm-hmm. you know, that old school fundamental stuff, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's why I feel like, you know, I can play for different crowds yeah. in Atlanta. Yeah, you can. You know, mm-hmm. and I never feel like people are disappointed whether I play at MJQ mm-hmm. or Alley Cat right. or whatever. Right. Um, You know, but I'm always going to throw mm-hmm. some of my roots in mm-hmm. there. <laughs> Too. Which is good. Which you is know, good. So And you've been playing internationally too. Yeah. Like uh, Barcelona, mm-hmm. like Spain. How is that? Well, how was the crowd there? They like real soulful I stuff. Say it, say it in the mic. Say it soulful. say it in the mic again. Yeah. So yes. <laughs> I love that because yes. I did go to Ibiza and I felt the same thing too. I feel that in Europe, um, they love the soulful house. Yes. Deep house. Yes. And I like that too. Like they got, so you did well over there while you were playing for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping to go back. Yeah, they're they're going to call you. You're going (laughs) to, you're going to go back. You know, we got some things going on in the world. Things got to kind of settle down. Yeah. You're going to go back because you're good. You're professional. You're very good. What I like about you, Debbie, and I think most people do too, is your consistency. You're very consistent. Like we can set our dial to you. You know, I was listening to you on Mixler with Deuce Martinez. You held that down for like years. Like you was one thing about the digital age, I will say, Mm -hmm. right? It has allowed you to be everywhere at the same time, right? Correct. We can count at that time. You were my 10 a.m. show every Sunday. I listened to you as I prepared before coming to do this show. And I enjoyed it. It made me feel good. And then, you know, you've been on different platforms, different stations and things like that, but it's consistency. We can count on you. Some people listen to you at night. You got a show on Tuesdays or seven. You know, mine was Sunday. I was like, yeah, I'm going to listen to her now. This is just really good. And you never sound the same. <laughs> Meaning that, again, I we don't know what you're going to play, but it's always new. I We could count on you for newness, like newness. Yeah, I try to make it interesting yeah. because even now on my Tuesday show on yeah. Twitch, you know, you may come in one Tuesday uh-huh. and I'm playing nothing but Afro. Yeah. But then the following week, you mm-hmm. know, I'm playing classics mm-hmm. or I'm playing Deep House. Yeah. You know, um, I just... 
I feel like if I do that, I can build a bigger audience. Yes, yes. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just a natural thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't plan my shows. You don't. I just, I just. It's a feeling for you. Yeah, I just, you know, turn all the equipment on and, wow. you know, I'm like, think about the first track. Mm-hmm. And once I play that first track, then I know what, which direction I'm going. You know, you make it look easy. Well, because <laughs> the, the, the people think, oh, I can do that. I, I, I can do that, too. It's like, no, you cannot. It's a lot of hard work. It is. It a is a lot of hard work. Um, another thing, too, that um, people don't realize is trying to find music. Mm-hmm. I mean, I spend probably four to five hours a week just digging for music, music wow. you mm-hmm. know. Um, you know, like this morning, mm-hmm. you know, I was online for three hours, looking, just, listening. just looking and listening mm-hmm. and saying, Hey, what did I miss? That wasn't on the top 100, mm. but mm. it sounds good to me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then I have all my little folders set up or my right. little carts set up, right, right, you know, and drop it in. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if I have a gig coming up, I'm like, yeah, maybe I should go ahead and buy this music because mm-hmm. I'm going to try it out at this gig. Are there but, any other DJs? Uh, I mean, you shouted out Ron Pullman, rightly so. He's really good at what he does. And one of the architects, if you will, for house music here in Atlanta. Let's just say that. Give mm-hmm. him his flowers while he's here. Um, is there anyone else that inspires you or influences you musically? And you don't have to share a name. But is there anybody that you listen to? There's several people. Several I, good. There's several people good. I listen That's to. That's good. Um, mm-hmm. and and the reason I do that, well, first of all, I always want to give support to mm-hmm. the community. That part. Um, you know, I might not be able to go to every party mm-hmm. that's there because mm-hmm. I'm pretty busy. Mm-hmm. But you know, if they have an online show, you check it out. I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you know, I'm just going to say, you know, I love watching Salah play. Mm-hmm. I love watching Kemet play. Yeah, you guys. know, those guys are just like they're beasts. Exactly. They destroyed they're, they're, the high museum. <laughs> and it, and it's so weird because <laughs> they're, they're like, they're quiet very assassins. Nice. Yes, That's what nice. I call them. Quiet assassins. Yeah. Yeah. They're very good. They're you very know? good. And so, um, you know, I know I can't always you know, go to Kemet's events. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, because Kemet does a show on Tuesday too on yeah. Twitch, so yeah. I'll raid into his yeah. show, yeah. you know, and bring my listeners over who maybe not familiar, mm-hmm. they're not familiar with him. So yeah. they're like, oh, oh, yeah. that's that guy. Yeah, that's that so song. Good. He's so good. You know, he's good. He'll drop a, he'll drop Rolling Stones in the middle of the Yeah. Who, I miss you. He'll, he'll just drop it in the, and it'll just be so good. I have to admit, when we were in the COVID years, mm-hmm. I was on everybody's Twitch. I was. Now that we're outside, I, I'm a flat leaver. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I don't listen as much because I'm out. I'm out. And understandably so. I'm out. You know? And I feel bad because I'm not, because I was supporting, I was supporting like doing stars and, you know, like mm-hmm. because I understood how important this was. Um, for us to support DJs during this time because you guys were giving us life. 
it was a sense of hope. Yeah. Like, like we didn't know how long we were going to be indoors, but you, you provided entertainment for us. Like for that hour or two, however long you played, took our mind off of what was really happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was kind of like a mental health thing for me too to play because, Mm -hmm. you know, as you know, in the daytime, I'm in the medical thing Mm -hmm. and we were busy. Yeah. We were super busy. Mm -hmm. I was working 70, 80 hours a week Mm -hmm. and the music was my escape. Yeah. Yeah. So, Because you've been DJing for so long and now you're producing, you're producing tracks now. I'm trying. You're a producer. Now you <laughs> could wear a producer's hat. What, what's your love, DJing or producing? So um, I'll have to say DJing just because mm-hmm. when I'm actually playing, I can see the reaction right away yes. from people. Yes. Whereas with production... You have to wait. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. people don't necessarily support by buying your stuff, Mm -hmm. you know. However, you know, you might drop in a track at a party Mm -hmm. and everybody's like, that's you. And then next thing I know, Bandcamp is like, you got money. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good problem to have. You know, but. You know, um, I love the de- I love the producing also, mm-hmm. but I'm also thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. You know, like how many more years do I have to stand in front of a crowd for hours we'll playing? Give, we'll give you a chair. You know, we'll give you a chair. I know. You know, the knee might give out or something like that. So we'll you know. You Plus, you know me. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking at ways to have passive income. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Those that know, if you ever want to get in business with this lady, her question is going to be, well, I hear you and I understand, but what's your budget? <laughs> my, what's your budget? My favorite three words. Yes. What's your budget? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I must say, you have helped people to understand that. Like this is a business, right? Yes. You know, this is this this is a business that can be lucrative, whether you want to do it full time or as a hobby, but you treat it as a business and you work with people, but listen, to transport, let's break it down. To buy the equipment is an investment. To continue to put new music in your crates is an investment. Mm-hmm. To to move the music, the equipment to said in, in, event or place, time, energy, transportation costs. Like this is not a free thing. No, no, it's not. No, because it's speakers, it's mixers, it's it's the board, it's the whole thing. And that stuff is heavy. It's heavy because it's real stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, these are, this is real stuff that's yeah. going on. So, yeah, nothing is for free right. is what we're saying. And here. time is money. Time is money. Time is money. Yeah, so you got to be mindful of that. What would you say, Debbie, because we talked about COVID and, and because people were inside, there was opportunity for people to hone in on a new skill. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have these people, we have people that are having merged as DJs, men and women, young and old. Mm -hmm. Right. 
What would you say to somebody that's new in this profession? What would you say to inspire them or get them on the right track or some words of advice that you could share to somebody new in the space of DJing? So typically, um, and I know a lot of the new DJs, they may have started on digital equipment. Digital. Okay. Yeah. Um, if they have that love, mm. I encourage them, hey, go back to the basics. Mm. Learn how to spin on vinyl. You know, because I fe- for me, I feel like because I learned to spin on vinyl, yes. everything else is easy. Easy peasy. Because you, you, you train your ear. You're not looking at BPMs. Oh, girl. You know, um. You're not doing this and scrolling this on the, on the board looking for the next Yeah, track. you know, back in the yeah. day, we just had like a little mark on a white label yes. or something. And you're like, oh, that's that track. Yeah, right, you know? right, right. You know, now we don't even we don't even really know the music because there's so much of it coming out digitally, you know. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's one thing that I would tell them. But the other thing is consistency is key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and practice, practice, practice. Yes. Because I'm not what I consider a professional DJ in the sense that this is not my nine to five. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I do play several times a week. Mm-hmm. But even as I prepare for a gig, you know, I practice. You practice. I am not embarrassed to say that I practice. Mm-hmm. There are people that walk around and say, practice? What is that? Mm-hmm. I practice, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I have like a specific playlist mm-hmm. that I'm following. You know, I just want to see what sounds good, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then it makes it, it makes it a little bit easier at the gig, too, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I think that I think that some DJs may not practice, but they do play music, mm-hmm. and maybe they don't realize that is almost practicing. Right, right. Because I asked one DJ, I said, I, I I spoke to his wife, and I said, does he do that all day? She, girl, he just gets up first thing in the morning. He just goes and he just plays, and he and, and it could be. One, the love for music. Mm-hmm. And and two, he just wants to play what he wants to play, wants to hear. Right. And maybe subconsciously it's a little bit of practice. But I, I think that if you get up and you play, you, you, you're you doing yourself a solid. But yeah. at least, you know, like you're saying, knowing what works. Yeah. How to, how to come up with something a little different. Exactly. Because a lot of times, too, you know, um, people that just play to play and they don't understand music theory Mm. and how certain keys you know work together in the blends come on um you know and i mean i know i might be getting a little technical but i know for me like i know that this key is going to sound good with this key and you know and you've never played an instrument i've played instruments okay Um, oh she said (laughs) <laughs> instruments. That was a plural. <laughs> so what instruments have you played, Debbie? So I could play the flute. Okay. You know, it started off in Jamaica. Yes. You learned to play the recorder. Yeah. And then I went to the flute after that. Um, 
I did take piano lessons for a little bit, but I was never good at okay. it. So, you okay. know, I can do a two finger yeah, bang yeah, yeah, here yeah, and there. Yeah. And then I got very interested in playing percussions, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to Sheila E. <laughs> so I learned how to play timbales. Yeah. And, you know, I know how to drum a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, my brother is really the drummer, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I picked up some things from him. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you just had, you know, I I agree with you on several points. I think that there there needs to be a love for music and not just be cold with it. Right. Just there needs to be a love for it and an understanding of how to make it make sense. Because I think that people may think they know music, but they may not know how to make it make sense and translating that to make people in the room want to dance. Yeah, because you have to tell a story. That part. You have to tell a story. That part. And if people get the story, they're going to start dancing. Yeah. 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 Either tell a story or make people feel good. Yeah. The two. Yeah. One, one, One of the two. Which you've been in this industry for a long time. And I know when I talk to females, when I talk to DJs that happen to be females, that's how they want to be considered a DJ, not a female DJ, a DJ, period. Period. End of story. And you've been in this market for quite some time since the little girl in Jamaica loving music and, and just really getting your opportunities here in Atlanta when you first got here, college years and all that. Do you feel that things have changed? Like are doors opening or, or better yet, let me rephrase the question, that people are being looked at based on their skill and not based on their case that they're coming in? Do you think that is still a thing today or you don't know? Cause that ain't never been your story. Well, yeah, it's never been my, <laughs> it really has never been my story. You problem. Cause you've always been looked at as a good DJ period. Right. And, um, you know, um, I, I think some people do get caught up in the whole, you know, aesthetics, aesthetics, mm-hmm. Uh, without looking at the skill, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I think they feel like aesthetics can sell tickets. Right, right, you know? right, right. Um, but I'm just going to be me, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no matter what, yeah. and, and show them that I can play mm-hmm. and I can play with whomever, mm-hmm. um, you know, because, again, it's about the skill. Right. Now, back to the female DJ thing. Mm. What I don't like, especially in 2023, mm-hmm. is when people say, oh, you're my favorite female DJ. Yeah. 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 Just okay. If I'm not your favorite DJ, yeah. then just don't say anything, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But the female male thing, mm-hmm. that needs to yeah go away it should go away <laughs> it should be based on skill exactly and, exactly. How you, and how people feel when you play regardless of your your gender does that really shouldn't matter you know that's like saying oh you know that's a great male doctor mm-hmm. oh I've, I've and a great that. female doctor you, you know you're like, kind of cute for a dark-skinned girl 
Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like yeah. If either I'm cute or I'm not. What yeah. does the dark scene at the Yeah, you're kinda all right, you're kinda cute for a dark I mean scene. it's like an insult, kinda, <laughs> you know. It is. Yeah. And I'm I'm using that as an example as an extreme, but yeah, it should just should just be it should just be what it is and, and not anything else. Um you have a full time job, but you're busy as a DJ. You're, yeah. you're busy as a DJ. Is there anybody you would like to play with that you've not? Well, obviously, everybody wants to play with Louis. The God. <laughs> yeah. The God. Yes. Louis Vega. Yes. Louis yes. Vega. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's the only one, pretty much, right? Um, I mean, there, you know, there are other big names out there, mm-hmm. but I have so much respect for him. Yeah. You know. Mm hmm. He's Love good. what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. You've played with some good people, though. I have. You I have. have. Yeah, you have. And, and it, I'm, 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 I'm thankful to those who helped me. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, along the way mm-hmm, to get there. Mm-hmm. He got some besties in the business that are just killing it. Killing it. They're on a boat somewhere. They're right on a now. boat somewhere. I'm trying to get that one on the show. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You know who it is. Uh, she's so busy. But those are good examples. Like those are women, I believe, or just people in your life that make you strive for more. Like, cause you see that they're doing, you're like, you know, and you got to have good role models. I yeah. think you, you have surrounded yourself with very with good, good role models mm-hmm. to encourage you. Hold you accountable as most, a DJ, most definitely. Yeah, be... and now they're starting to hold me accountable as a producer. producer. Yeah, right. So your levels are going up because of the people that believe in you as an artist. You're an artist, Dad. You know that? Never you... thought about it that yeah. way. <laughs> I guess I am. You're an artist. Yeah, you're not just a DJ. You're an artist because you do. You're a musician. You're a DJ. You produce the music. But what's what's next for you? What's what do you want to see yourself doing? You're talking about, well, I'm getting a little can do this forever. <laughs> like, what, what do you want to do? What's well, next I, I would say in the next five years, because mm-hmm. I just have to break it up in increments. I, you know, yeah, you have to. Um, I really want to do a lot more traveling and mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. overseas. Mm-hmm. So that'd be great. That's something that I'm working on. Yeah, it's going to happen. Do you have um, what I like to see? I, I always encourage us because we are maturing, mm-hmm. right? And it would be so selfish of us to not be here in in house music. Just go and 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 not knocking Beyonce. God, thank you, but it had always been here before you started breaking our soul. Right? Yeah, but I mean. To be honest, I'm not going to knock Beyonce yeah, because she's it. really she's really opened it up to people who would probably never listen, never to, listen to it, to house music. OK, that's a good segue. So I would say because of this opening, do we have an opportunity to mentor more people or how I, how are we uh, making sure that all of this beautiful knowledge and consistency and professionalism that you have can be passed on. Are, are people showing interest more now that Beyonce has done what she's done? I think so, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. You know, and then for me, you know, I love to teach. I, I, I think in my other life, I was a teacher. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, I'd like to do more workshops. Yes. You know, to um teach the younger generation yes. how to do this. Yeah, we've seen you do that with um the women's house music collective. Correct. Yes. You did that this spring. Shouts out to Jay Honey, right? Founder of that and came up with that idea and the people loved it. And yeah. you were teaching some beautiful young little lady. She could barely see over the turntable. <laughs> equipment she was so sweet and her dad was there little rose yeah yeah, cheering her (laughs) on and everybody was loving it and you taught some older people like our famous joseph he was loving it and he's like i want to do more of this and so it's a it's a bug yes once people get it they don't want to stop exactly but you're very patient with them you were helping them learn and you're good at teaching i've always been told i have the patience of job so So, uh, you know, um, but but I love doing that, too. It yeah. makes me happy because, like you said, you know, after our generation, mm-hmm. people weren't really into house. Yeah. So who's going to carry it on? That's what who's going to carry the torch? Yes. So, yes. you know, we have to start mentoring these kids. And, you know, as you see, there are a couple of kids coming out of like New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, Justin Miles, mm-hmm. just the DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, who's doing a fantastic job, you know, Amira's a little bit more grown up now, you know, um, Jordan Pope, um, he's a little grown up too. Mm -hmm. Now you have this 14 year old kid out of uh, London, Max Jacks, who's Mm -hmm. producing and DJ and DJ. Awesome. You know, so, so I like see that stuff that makes me happy Mm -hmm. when I see that, but we got to spread the word even more. Sure do. Sure do. Where can the people find you, Debbie Graham? So um, you can go to my Instagram page, which is DJ Debbie Graham ATL. I actually have all my links located Mm -hmm. on IG um, or Facebook, Debbie Graham. Uh I have a mixed cloud, which is... Debbie Graham. Debbie Graham. She's you know, easy to find. DJ Deb in yeah. the background. Yeah, yeah. Some of you know me as DJ Deb. Yep. And some people still call me DJ Deb, but uh, rebranding, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, on my Bandcamp, it's debbiegraham.bandcamp.com. And you have a movement like T-shirts and so, what is um, that? My LLC is the House of Distinction. That's right. And People I do have, wearing the T-shirts. I do have T-shirts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I will start adding more gear as time allows. You will. <laughs> you will. You will. Well, listen. I want to say thank you for being a curator of good music, good thank sounds, you. making the people feel good, having a good time, making us dance for all these years. I hope you continue to do it. Just don't stop. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks for the invite, Michelle. Yeah, oh, thank yeah you. man. It was way overdue. You should have been here a long time ago, but nothing happens before it's time. That's true. So that That's I believe true. in. So listen, listen, people, you know me. Real Chicks Rock, I'm everywhere. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, which is now X. <laughs> Facebook. I got, uh, go to the website, realchicksrock.com. We got t-shirts and merch out there. Go cop you some. Get that. Go to the YouTube channel, Real Chicks Rock. Subscribe. Hit the notify bell so you don't miss another show. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast today. Be sure to like it, leave your comments, and share it with a friend.
If you have a product or service you'd like to have promoted during the show, please contact us at info at realchicksrock.com and we'll send you the details. We're reaching the masses and we would love for you to join us on the ride. Until next time, take care and continue to rock on.